Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading Ecclesiastes chapter 7 from the World English Bible. A good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of death better than the day of one's birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of the face the heart is made good. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This also is vanity. Surely extortion makes the wise man foolish, and a bribe destroys the understanding. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. The patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Don't be hasty in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosom of fools. Don't say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not ask wisely about this. Wisdom is as good as an inheritance. Yes, it is more excellent for those who see the sun. For wisdom is a defense, even as money is a defense. But the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity be joyful, and in the day of adversity consider. Yes, God has made the one side by side with the other, to the end that man should not find out anything after him. All this I have seen in my days of vanity. There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who lives long in his evil doing. Don't be overly righteous, neither make yourself overly wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Don't be too wicked, neither be foolish. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you should take hold of this. Yes, also, don't withdraw your hand from that, for he who fears God will come out of them all. Wisdom is a strength to the wise man more than ten rulers who are in a city. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and doesn't sin. Also, don't take heed to all words that are spoken, lest you hear your servant curse you. For often your own heart knows that you yourself have likewise cursed others. All this I have proved in wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which is, is far off and exceedingly deep. Who can find it out? I turned around, and my heart sought to know and to search out, and to seek wisdom and the scheme of things, and to know that wickedness is stupidity, and that foolishness is madness. I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and traps, whose hands are chains. Whoever pleases God shall escape from her. 
but the sinner will be ensnared by her. Behold, I have found this, says the preacher, to one another, to find out the scheme which my soul still seeks, but I have not found. I have found one man among a thousand, but I have not found a woman among all those. Behold, I have only found this, that God made man upright, but they search for many schemes. That is the end of chapter 7. Here again, let's begin by recalling that the preacher is being quoted with one perspective of life that shows that life in and of itself will not bring lasting satisfaction or meaning. And right in verse 1, we practically get whiplash as he first says how nice a good reputation is, and then he says dying is better than being born. The sense seems to be that when you were born, you still have much trouble and unknowns ahead of you, but still. Verse 2 begins the point that living always with the understanding that death will come is useful, but as the preacher doesn't offer any particular hope, it's hard to see how he sees it's useful. But it did make me think about the common theme in stories, books, or movies that are constantly trying to find a way to live forever. It's even part of the evolutionary mindset that one day mankind will reach an intersecting apex of knowledge and physical superiority to live like something as intelligent energy or to go to another planet where the environment sustains us. People who do not acknowledge God often have one of two polar opposite responses to the inevitability of death. One is to ignore it, like doing so lessens its power. The other is to become obsessed or full of despair. The preacher hints at the only reasonable attitude toward death, but never gets past his frustration with it so far. Frustration that is exhibited in saying things like, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. But if you compare this to Proverbs that Solomon wrote down, Proverbs 15, 13, 15, 15, Proverbs 17, 22, he talks about a merry heart being good like a medicine. But as he continues on, he does talk about what kind of mirth he's talking about here when he compares it to the crackling of thorns and foolish songs. So it's not a genuinely joyful heart that he seems to be comparing it to. But even the wise are at risk for being foolish if they let money wrongly influence them. And then he comes around again to saying the end is better than the beginning. Yet with all his complaining that death is better than life, he does talk about patience here. And he mentions that anger rests in the bosom of fools like they're just always ready to be angry. And he talks about the fact that wisdom preserves life. So he definitely seems conflicted because this is the life that he seems to be very despairing about and seemingly can't wait for it to end. Verse 13 is another mention of God making things crooked and straight and comes across as very fatalistic. There's nothing about prayer or blessings, and the preacher's conclusion seems to be that God is doing things a little bit so that we'll be left in the dark. And then in case we've missed the point, he says he's seen some other vanity and talks again about the righteous man who perishes and the wicked man who lives long and uses that as his prelude to the idea of don't be overly righteous or don't be overly wicked. Those are strange statements. In fact, it was not being fully righteous that got Solomon in trouble. And so if the preacher is Solomon, that's possibly an indication of the mindset that got him in into trouble. 
But if we give him the benefit of the doubt, maybe he is being so general here as saying, don't strive to perform things that appear to be righteous, right? Don't try to do works that get your own righteousness. He obviously does not even talk about faith that brings righteousness in God's eyes, like in Hebrews 11 talks about. And then when he talks about not being too wicked or too foolish, it could just be a way of saying we all fall prey to that, so be careful of it. Don't do it so much. Verse 18 seems to be saying, keep these struggles all clearly in mind, but be assured that if you do fear God, he will bring you through it all. So at least we have a little bit of hope there. In verse 19, he begins to exalt wisdom again, but he ends with saying he can't find it in some ways, which reminds me of James chapter 1, where it says we can pray for wisdom from God and he will give it to us. It's just in the human striving that it's going to elude us. And along the same lines in verse 23, there's a glimpse of the struggle that knowing wisdom and acting in wisdom are two different things. In verse 25, him talking about searching to know that wickedness is stupidity and foolishness is madness must just be like a a rhetorical device for what he's saying, because I don't see any reason why we have to spend our moments trying to see that wickedness is stupid. But we do all have our moments about what sounds good at the time, and then we do it without being thoughtful. However, he takes foolishness to the next level. It is madness, crazy, a giving of yourself over to a state of mental and behavioral derangement. But again, if you look at Romans 118, John 319, Psalm 81, verses 11 through 12, we see that the fool may be given over to this because he refuses the things of God. Then in verse 26, we have the theme of the wicked woman who is trying to snare men into sin. And it's not that men don't sin in other ways, or they're not influenced by other men or their own wicked desires, but this is a wickedness that is in particular something a wicked woman can use to harm men. We may be used to thinking of how men abuse women sexually in our cultural, and this is a real problem, but we can recognize both as being bad without minimizing the other. Verse 27 begins with, Behold, I have found this. And then he says a bunch of stuff in the middle that's a little hard to understand. But then he finally concludes with what he has found at the end of verse 29, where he says, I have only found this, that God made man upright, but they search for many schemes. And so there you have a summary of what happened in the Garden of Eden. He made, God made Adam and Eve upright, but they decided they wanted to search for knowledge that led to wickedness. But what about that part in the middle where he says, I have found one man among a thousand, but I have not found a woman among all of those. Well, in verse 20, he's already stated that there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and doesn't sin. And the phrase to find out the scheme echoes what he said in verse 25, where he says, my heart sought to know and to search out and to seek wisdom and the scheme of things. So he seems to be summarizing here that he hasn't figured it all out, which, sure, obviously. So when he says, I have found one man among a thousand, but I have not found a woman among all those, he could just be speaking from personal experience. He could be speaking poetically. 
But overall, he hasn't found very many people seeking righteousness, apparently. However, like I said, it's enigmatic. I'm going to link to a couple of articles that I found that specifically talk about this section a little more thoroughly, and maybe you will find those useful. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 